Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. Shot. Silly! For the better part of the next three hours, I am your voice. This is Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. At this point in the year, man, it is always cool to be able to come on here, talk some sports when there are fun things to discuss, when there are highlights are happening. And uh, when it comes down to it, man, there's going to be plenty of football to get into throughout the show as well. And Thursday night always has a, a, a nice little flavor to it, in my opinion. When I was um, when I was back in Iowa City when I was still in college, I used to always tell people Thursday night is party night. And so now that we are coming towards the end of a Thursday evening, and I, as opposed to being out as the, the designated driver like I would have been for my teammates, for my squad back in the day, I'm just here taking you through the latter stages of this Thursday evening. But I am looking forward to it, man, because we've got – a great show coming up for you tonight, and uh, I don't know if the the party night tradition lives on in other places, other areas all around the country. I don't know if that was just a an Iowa City thing. I don't know if that's just a college thing or, or what, but uh, it does feel it, it's it's the eve of the weekend. It's Friday Eve. That's that's what Thursday night is. So, so it's going to be a fun show that we'll have for you this evening. Uh, I am on Twitter at Big Ant Heron. That's where you can reach me in the Twitter sphere. Brandon Fryer, my guy on the ones and twos this evening. Looking forward to that. This how, like I, I worked with uh, worked with Brandon last week when I was with, uh, with my guy Groats, and uh, and Groats and I were having some debates, some discussions, some arguments that I really feel like the past week since the last time I was on have basically crystallized some of the points that I was making to my guy Mark Grody when we were on together last week. But since I'm solo, I, I will be uh, soliciting Brandon Fryer's opinion throughout the evening as well soliciting your opinion as well so looking forward to hearing from you out there throughout the show tonight um so actually since i since i referenced that and i already called on brandon by name you go ahead and crack the mic right now because i referenced thursday night as party night i'm just gonna assume brandon because you and i don't know each other that well yet i'm assuming you're younger than me so you I, might I am be, younger uh, than you i mean you know okay, i got, I got all right, married so you, with kids but I, i'm younger than you Married with kids, okay, all right. So you're uh, you're, you're the the young old man then. You, you got a little bit of a similar vibe to what I had. But uh, with that in mind, I am curious: is is Thursday night kind of the, the the prelude to the weekend? Is that is that still for uh, the folks in your age bracket? Is that is that a big deal? Is is tonight the night where the weekend begins, or do folks still kind of view Friday knowing that 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 end of the work week? Is still impending. Does Thursday nights, you know, kind of, kind of have a little low key sort of flavor to it? Oh, I'm with you all the way, Big Ant. Like Thursday okay. is the Friday Eve. Like that to me is like party time. So I'm like, oh, it's, it's to me this is like really the last work day, like of the weekday. Because to all me, right. Friday is like the weekend. So I'm, I'm with you. Okay, good, good. Glad to hear that. So with that in mind, then we will definitely have a good time throughout the show tonight. We'll go a few different directions. In tonight's show as well, because of the, the guest lineup we have here, there will be plenty of baseball to discuss, especially what was happening on the north side. We'll occasionally update you what's happening with the South Siders as they're on the diamond as well. But with that Cubs game today, the Javi Baez show, Chris Bryant still doing his thing, mashing the ball. We're going to get into all that throughout the show and later this hour. We'll actually have Bruce Levine on the show to get into some of those things. But in addition to that, uh, after talking to Bruce, second hour of the show, 
a guest I've been in, in communication with for a while here. I think I maybe maybe even mentioned it a couple of weeks back. A guy named Paul Racy, who's a, a Chicagoan, who's in the movie Sound of Metal, movie that they made a couple of years ago. It made its debut, um, you know, more. I think the the cinematic release was a little wider last year, and it's on Amazon Prime. He ends up getting nominated for an Academy Award, and I mean, it's just a a marvelous movie. And he also happens to be a big White Sox fan as well. So Paul and I have been communicating back and forth for uh, for a few weeks at this point. And now that you know the Oscars are in the rearview mirror, he's had a little more time here, so he's going to join me on the show later on tonight to talk about that movie, to talk about his love of the White Sox, talk about Chicago. Going to get into a bunch of different things. So I'm really looking forward to that discussion because, frankly, the main reason I reached out to him is because I, I just, man, I love that movie. It was just, it, it was a great flick, an outstanding performance by by Paul and by Riz Ahmed and, you know, the cast as a whole and, and took you into a, a deeper and a different look to a, kind of another segment of society that a lot of us don't really necessarily know that much about. Even I've, I've got a, a hearing impaired. I've got a deaf uh, family member, a nephew of mine, is deaf and frankly I just I know my interaction with him but I don't necessarily know a lot about his world and Paul is a, a really interesting guy so I'm looking forward to that discussion with him and we'll try to cover a number of different topics when we talk to him and as I know you, you guys tend to remind me if I'm on here and I just kind of focus on baseball the entire show and don't get some Bears discussion in and especially right now with everything going on, with having Justin Fields in there. The rookies have already taken the practice field from minicamp, of course. Veterans just a few days away from getting some OTAs going with the vets showing up. And so that's going to thicken, I think, some of those storylines taking place at Hallis Hall. So in the final hour of the show, a friend of mine, Kurt Warner, the Hall of Famer, is going to join us. And he's, of course, all over the NFL Network. He is as great at breaking down the game at large, but also specifically the quarterback position. So we'll have Kurt on in the final hour of the show. And specifically, one thing, in addition to his thoughts on Justin Fields, uh, maybe if we end up with time, maybe ask him about what's happening in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. There's so much to discuss with Kurt. But also, want to get a sense for just the the dynamic that that he sees playing out with Justin Fields just in the QB meeting room. Because it feels like Fields will be in a, in an environment between Andy Dalton and Nick Foles and have folks who are, you know, sort of willing to to nurture his growth, I guess, for lack of a better term. And Kurt's been in, you know, a few different versions of that throughout his playing days. And so I'll be looking forward to uh, to getting his his opinion on a number of different things related to that, that Bears QB room and what that, that, that dynamic will be like and specifically having Justin Fields as a QB. So that kind of lays out the, the show for you, but I, I do have, I, I've got a, got a personal update that I want to share. And uh, it, it'll relate to one, one specific individual and, and one encounter that I had really that my son and I had last weekend and an update just in case this individual is listening. And I, I'll share it with you guys. So I'm, I'm out last weekend, me and my son, you know, we tend to, as long as I got some time and he's just three. So, you know, he's not in school. We don't have him in any, any preschool or anything like that yet. So we go out, walk through Grant Park. You know, we'll, we'll find an open field somewhere. We'll usually bring either a, a soccer ball or, you know, a baseball tee and a baseball bat and kind of toss the ball around. Just kind of do our thing. We'll run around, 
So on this particular day, me and my son, and actually just happened to be like there was another dad and his son. Now his son happened to be five. My three-year-old is about the size of a five-year-old, and he's fairly coordinated for his age, so they're just out running around having a good old time. And there just happened to be this other guy who was at the kind of sitting at the peak of what we, we just call it the horsey statue. I don't even know exactly what, what it is. Like, it's just up there. It's like the this monument to some war hero or whatever. I think it's like, I don't know, General Jackson statue, something, something. I, I couldn't even tell you what it is. But so there's a guy who, even before we arrived, he was already sitting over there, you know, kind of towards the side of the statue up the, you know, this kind of tall staircase. A lot of you who maybe live in the city, probably know exactly the statue I'm talking about. And it's basically overlooking. There's a wide open field on one side and then kind of a garden area on the other side of it. And sometimes we'll see like police horses roaming through there and everything. So it's a really nice area and a a pretty convenient play space for us. My son and I just over there, we're playing around. And eventually um, the other dad and his five-year-old, they get ready to leave. And the guy who had just been sitting there just, you know, he wasn't like staring at us real tough and, you know, wasn't looking weird, making anybody feel uncomfortable or anything. He was just kind of doing his own thing. And at one point, he kind of got the attention of me and the other dad before the other dad was leaving with his son and just said, hey, man, just want to let you guys know this is a, it's just a special thing, just watching you guys play with your sons. I just wanted to, wanted to say God bless you. Oh, okay, hey. Yeah, glad you enjoyed it. God bless you too. And, you know, I just keep going about my business. The other dad and his son leave. They get to moving, and so me and my son stay there for a little while longer. We're playing, having a good old time, like I said, and then eventually we start packing our stuff up, getting our uh, getting our balls and our gear, and we're getting ready to head home. So the guy who had been sitting there just kind of, you know, meditating or whatever he was doing, he comes down the hill and just gets my attention real quick. So I don't know exactly what he's getting my attention for. You know, I tend to have my radar up, you know, as, as folks might approach me for something usually fairly harmless. And I mean, he's, you know, casually dressed, but, you know, not dressed in a way that I would, I would assume that, you know, some, something may be amiss. You know, just kept, got like some white socks gear on. Actually, it was blue white socks gear too, which, which stood out to me. But he comes down the hill, gets my attention, says something similar initially, just like tells me, hey, man, just really wanted to share this with you. It was on my heart and just wanted to let you know that I, I really, really needed to see this today. And I, it, it just meant so much to me watching you out here playing with your son. And, man, you know what? I just I, I want to buy you guys lunch. So initially, I don't really know what to make of that. Because, frankly, I wasn't sure, like, is he about to ask me for money? Like, you know, that, of course, happens on occasion in the city. But he didn't, again, he was dressed well enough. Casual, but dressed well enough. I didn't assume he was about to ask me for anything. But he says, I want to buy you guys lunch. Now, like I said, I'm on my way home. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not about to go like hang out. Me and my son aren't even about to eat lunch anyway, let alone with some stranger. So I didn't exactly know what he meant by buy us lunch at first. So I just politely said, well, that's very nice of you. I'm, you know, I'm glad you enjoyed watching us play together. But no, that, that's not necessary at all, man. You, you just have a great day. So he, you know, sort of persists. Like, no, seriously, man, like I, this is something I really want to do for you. You know, it, it just really meant so much to me watching you guys play together. And he starts to well up like he starts to get tears in his eyes. And now as he's getting choked up, he's pulling a wad of cash out of his pocket. So now I'm like, wow, 
uh, I'm really not sure exactly what's happening here. I don't know if this is some kind of sting operation. I don't know if there are cameras about to come, like, you know, that have been lurking behind trees this entire time, and there's about to be some kind of gotcha. I have no idea what's going on when the dude whips out a wad of cash. And as he's saying this and he's welling up, he starts to describe and explain to me that he came here all the time with his son to this same spot, to the same little open field in this park. He and his wife would be out there, and they and this field happens to be near some train tracks as well, and he's t- where the metro train goes by. And he's just telling me, you know, in not in deep detail, but just how he, his son, his his son, his wife, they would come out here and just have a great time, and just how much he got out of watching me show up and play with my son. And he eventually, as he's taking some cash out of his pocket, reaches it at me. And, you know, he's like trying to put it in my pocket, which then at that point, I'm like, okay, so I got to grab his wrist. And so, no, 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 you know, don't, don't put anything in my pocket. Again, I really appreciate you, man. I'm so glad that you got something out, out of watching me and my son. But you don't need to buy us lunch. It's really nice of you, but it's not necessary. So then he comes up with the idea, well, hey, I, I don't want to make you uncomfortable and not try to disrespect anything, but how about if I just do, I, I really feel like I need to do this. It's on my heart. But can I just give you this money and you can pass it on to somebody else who you feel like it'll help? I say, you know what? As the dude is like truly out on the verge of tears, and I have no idea why. And I've got no desire to ask him why, even though it is, you know, I, I, it seems like something deep happened in this man's life. I said, you know what? That's a great idea. I will do that, you know, because it's obviously it's very important to you. And again, it, it's unnecessary. Me and my son, we go outside, play all the time, but because. You may, you know, this is obviously important to you, but you know what? That's a great solution. I'll do that. So I take the money, kind of dap each other up. We keep it moving. I get back to the house. I don't, like, count the money in front of him or anything. I get home. Dude handed me $100. And so over the course of the past week, I've been doling out the $20 bills from this benevolent vagabond who just happened upon me and my son in Grant Park. And so I would imagine that the specifics of this story, if Mr. Benevolent Vagabond, if you happen to be listening right now, I would like you to know I have passed this money on. It has been paid forward to five different individuals who just happened to ask me if I had some money on the street. I don't normally bat a thousand with that. You know, I'm not above giving some folks a little cash on the, you know, on the sidewalk on the corner or something. If it, if I got something on me and they feel like they need it. But in this particular situation, I would like you to know, Grant Park, Benevolent Vagabond, your money has been passed on. And I really do, the, the story itself, as I've told it to some family members and a few friends here over the past week, it's, it's, such a, it's certainly a unique story. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't go rolling through Grant Park having folks handing me wads of cash or anything. But for this scenario, and I, don't, I don't know if you've seen the movie Pay It Forward. I assume, Brandon, you're younger than me, but you probably at least heard of it. Maybe you haven't watched it. You know, it might have came out before you were born. I don't even know. But while it was a very mediocre movie and Kevin Spacey was in it, so we don't necessarily mention Kevin Spacey, the same esteem that we used to as an actor, and Haley Joel Osment, and, and who was Helen Hunt, I think, was in it also. Not a great movie, but the message of the movie I've always looked back on with a level of esteem. Even though the movie itself wasn't great, but I had that experience last weekend out in the park with my son, and I figured this was a worthwhile format to to allow that to be heard, 
to spread that story on. I certainly won't stop anyone else. If you want to have perhaps a similar experience and feel like that if you got something out of knowing that moment took place for me, if you want to pay something forward to somebody else, please go out there and do that because it was while while an awkward moment <laughs> initially and again do seem like really emotional about whatever had happened in his life that, that had him get so much out of watching me and my son playing in the park. And it, it meant something special to him. Obviously not my intention. I'm just going outside playing with my son. And so he reacted in a way that he felt like could allow something positive to come from that. So my urge, my desire is that all of you react in ways to give something positive, some positive energy, some good vibes out there in the world. So I'm going to take my first time out of this evening, and we're going to get into some baseball. And there's plenty of baseball for us to get into throughout the day today. And our guy, Bruce Levine, will be with me in just a few short minutes. But when I return, I do want you to answer me a question. If you want to call in, you can give me a call, 312-644-6767. It's a question that I've been asking for weeks now that it seems like other folks around town are finally starting to ask as well because this is becoming a reality. I discussed it with Groats last week, and it's really this simple. What should Jet do? You got a first-place ball club on your hands and a whole lot of assets to either unload or pay them. What should Jed do? I got my thoughts on that. I'm going to share them on the other side of this timeout. 312-644-6767. I'm Anthony Heron here with you on a Thursday evening on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. When the Bears drafted Justin Fields, Chicago turned on the score. My Chicago Bears select Justin Fields. When Tony LaRusso went off on your mean Mercedes, Chicago turned on the score. You're getting clowned in real time. It's just embarrassing. Why is anybody questioning the greatness of Tony LaRusso? We knew it was coming. When breaking Chicago sports stories happen, Chicago always turns on one station, 670 the score, and one screen. The score on your mobile device through the Odyssey app. Coming together is Chicago sports powerhouse. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. It's been a lot of fun to watch us hit. I think that um, it's probably a good lesson. Like, we will have at some point this summer another slump like we had before. That's just baseball. And I think that we happen to have our a cold streak at the beginning of the season. I think that always uh, heightens everyone's awareness about it, you know, when you do. So I do think some of that was was randomness, but I also think that, you know, one of the things that's been really fun to see um, is that I think, you know, we've been putting the ball in play more. I think that's been a challenge for us, you know, over historically with, you know, striking out and like relying too much on, on homers to, to score and, you know, homers are great, but you, you have to have more than one, you know, club in your bag as far as scoring runs. And I think that, you know, uh, you know, Duffy and Sogard and Nico um, have given sort of a, uh, a different aspect of this offense we've had the last couple of years. So I think that's been really helpful. Grooving into this Thursday evening with you. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Anthony Heron here with you. And that was the voice of Jed Hoyer, of course, the uh, president of baseball operations for your Chicago Cubs. And the offseason that the, that the Cubs put together gave us a, a fairly deep indication of, of what they thought the fortunes or the future of this ball club would be. And uh, it hasn't gone exactly as expected. So we got some Cubs talk 
on the way here, but I did put the phone number out there, 312-644-6767. So let's get out to the, the phone lines before I give you a few of my Cubs thoughts here. We got Jose on the line out in Willow Springs. Jose, you got Anthony Heron on the score. What's happening, Jose? Anthony, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Listen, uh, so first off, that Thursday night thing in college is real. I remember that in college I went to the ball, so that is a real thing, you know. Um, but more importantly, you know, uh, I'm a father of three. I got a 15-year-old son, turned 15 last week. We spent a lot of time together, man, and I used to do all that stuff with you. I mean, like that you did, right? I mean, like mm. I, I think I know exactly the part that you're talking about, you know, because I've been there with my son. Mm. You know, we would go to Bears games, and we'd get there early. We'd stay late, bring the football around. You know, we just take kind of sometimes, you know, it's a big open field right there. So, I mean, like, you know, we just go down there, you know, on a nice day. And from the perspective of, like, for, to me, it's important to do that type of stuff because, like, I grew up without my father. He passed away when I was, like, you know, six, seven years old. Mm. And I always wanted to have that relationship, you know, with, with you know, like, father-son, you know, situation. So when I became a dad, you know, I, I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this right and I'm going to go in, you know, 100%. And, you know, um, and I try to, you know, I try to be the best father I can be. But with my son specifically, it's a little different just because, you know, there's a difference between boys and girls, in my opinion. You know, I have two daughters. But with my son, like, he I, – I played sports growing up. I coached sports, you know. But um, I actually coach his football team as well. But, you know, it's not that I was trying to force him into anything. He just naturally <laughs> gravitated towards it. And, and, and he had just a ball of energy, you know. So it's like you got to get him out of the house. You got to get him doing stuff, you know, putting him in all kinds of things. And I'm just saying, you know, for, for that man or for people who saw that, you know, um, let, me, let me put it this way. Uh, there's a quote that I heard a while back that I believe to be true. And then not, hopefully it's not too sexist, and, you know, but it's, it says men build up societies and then boys destroy it. And boys are referring to like older men, you know, who don't act like it, mm-hmm. you know. And I think there's a lot of I think a lot of the problems that we see in society are a result of men not doing what they should do, mm-hmm. you know. And, I, 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 you know, sometimes we throw the term man around loosely. I think there's a lot of old boys out there, 30 year old boys, <laughs> or 40 year old boys, or 50 year old yeah. boys. You know what I'm saying? Because like, just because you're, you know, just because you're grown doesn't make you a man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's like a lot of things that go into that, not just your age. Right. You know? And 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 being a father is a is a, is a special responsibility, whether you have a male, whether you have a boy or a girl. Yeah. You know. Well, part of that is like being engaged, and part of that is you know knowing your kids and understanding what their needs are, and you know trying to meet them where they're at, and trying to you know provide their needs and all that stuff. But spending that time is, like, super important, you know, so you have to put that time in. And, and I would imagine that, that that man that was trying to bless you, you know, take out to lunch and so forth, that, you know, that, that, you know he saw with you and your son hit a chord with him, clearly. Yeah, know? it definitely seemed to, man. There's no doubt about that, Jose. And, uh, you know, like I referenced uh, when I was telling the story, it was a moment that, you know, frankly and honestly started off a little bit awkward. Just, you know, like I said, my – as, as I'm sure a lot of us are, and especially when we got our kid with us, radar's a little bit up when, when somebody approaches you. Um, and, you know, there was no nothing threatening about his demeanor at all, but that's just how I am. My radar's usually up. Um, but, yeah, he, he, was, he was certainly. And I think a lot of it was in that moment uh, about seeing me and, and the, the way I was interacting with my son, but also there, there certainly seemed to be something that, you know, this is just me, my conjecture, that maybe something had happened in, in his life as well. And we, we've seen plenty of examples in our, in our fair city here, folks who have had, uh, had tragedy 
happen to them or their kids or whatever else. So, you know, like like Jose said very well, he he wanted to bless me and my family, and so I've, I've passed that blessing on to others as far as just the, the money that he gave to me that I begrudgingly <laughs> accepted. Um, but so thank you. I appreciate the phone call, Jose. I'm glad you got something out of, out of hearing about my experience there in the park. That was why why I shared it there. Uh, and guy was a White Sox fan. There's no doubt about that. He was, he was head, to, head to toe Sox down. Um, but specific to the Cubs, uh, before we get our guy Bruce Levine, on the line here to, to talk some Chicago baseball with him. The position that Jed Hoyer finds himself in right now is a, is a really, really sticky one and only going to get stickier because if this team continues to, to execute in the way that they are and, and win tight games over and over and over again, like it'd be one thing. If if they were leading the league in run differential and if they just had a bunch of starting pitchers just mowing folks down and the lineup was performing uh, offensively in the way they've been performing, then the calculus would probably be a little bit easier. But right now, we're just a couple of months into this thing and it's difficult to tell how much of this is just smoke and mirrors. And frankly, you know, if nothing else, it, it still feels like Maybe some of this is smoke and mirrors, at least from the perspective of pitching. And even the bullpen that's done so well, you're still kind of trying to figure out, man, is this sustainable? And the answer, I think, still appears to be that maybe it's not. And, you know, maybe you just got one of these major league type moments here where, you know, the, the, and David Ross isn't the grizzled old coach yet, but he was a grizzled old veteran player who just happens to be a young and fresh new coach in the moment, in the midst of his first full season as the skip for the Cubs. But if they are in the locker room, and there there are indications from public comments by like Chris Bryant and some others that, you know, maybe the approach that management has taken up till now, and, you know, like I referenced, the offseason, every indication that Cubs management gave this ball club over the offseason led to the notion that, frankly, seemed like maybe they had lost faith in Chris Bryant. Maybe they'd lost faith in Javi Baez. Maybe they thought Anthony Rizzo was, was, you know, on the wrong side of 30 and his best ball is behind him. And, you know, having so much talent that had been compiled from their farm system and and getting it to the point of, of playing major league baseball and having key moments at the big league level and doing things at a high level Equaled one World Series. Equaled the uh, the expulsion of the Billy Goat curse. That championship window that opened in 2015 that they stormed their way through in 2016. Every year since then, it's felt like they've gotten, in their execution, gotten further and further away from truly being a World Series outfit on the field. Not in the compilation of talent or in the money that's been spent, but in what the actual product has been on the field. And so now they just find themselves in this scenario where you got a first place ball club that truly at this point feels like it's probably furthest away from a World Series level squad than they've been since maybe 2014. And it's such a weird thing when, when you're evaluating what you're truly seeing. And again, you know, shouldn't discount what's happening offensively and Damn sure not going to discount the highlights that we see from Javi Baez, and we'll get into that in more detail later in the show too. And th- this may be 
the best season. I mean, at least through the first, it's definitely the first two best first two months we've ever seen from Chris Bryant as a professional. And that's saying something for a guy that was the, the National League Rookie of the Year and the National League MVP in his first two years at this level. And then you make the case that his third season was even better than the other two. But all those things being said, the actual squad and what we are seeing from them, the, the productivity or in ways, the lack thereof, still doesn't feel like a World Series squad. So what should Jed Hoyer do about that? The indications over the offseason were that the Ricketts family sort of already gave him his marching orders. Save us some money. So in a smart money sort of manner, you get rid of you Darvish so you don't have to pay him anymore. Didn't get a whole lot in return, but you move on from you Darvish. You move on from John Lester. You move on from Kyle Schwarber. So you're moving on from pieces. And, and while you Darvish wasn't here for the World Series itself, but you've moved on from pieces that, that were a part of that window. And really, the expectation many of us had was that they were going to look to and perhaps even be able to find ways to move on from what remained of the core, like Bryant and Baez and Rizzo and Contreras, or excuse me, Cone, Trerez, and it seemed like so much of that was potentially going to be on the way out as well, and they up to this point have found a way for for the performance of those individuals to still in a lot of ways be overshadowed by the looming end of that window, and the win-loss record seems to be the main thing keeping the window ajar. The window isn't shut yet, because the Cubs are in first place. Now, the division's bad, as I've been talking about here for weeks now. So there's a very good possibility they will continue to sort of lurk and linger right around the top of the the mediocre NL Central. What will that end up meaning for Jed Hoyer? Especially, I mean, being in first place is one thing. When I was debating this with Groats last week, his point was, well, we saw this, you know, about a quarter century ago, with the White Sox. Like, all right, that's cool and all, but the expectations for annual success for the Cubs are vastly different now, drastically different now than they were a decade ago when the the tear it down to build it up path towards the World Series was really in its infancy, was first beginning. So I'm wondering, like Cubs fans aren't going anywhere immediately anytime soon, but I, I just, I frankly am not confident how they would react, how they will. I suppose I'll even use the uh, the affirmative, how they will react if I'm still in, in the frame of assuming that there will be a sell-off at some point here. Like right now, Chris Bryant is playing the best baseball he's ever played. And this is a former MVP who's still in his 20s playing the best baseball we have ever seen this guy play. But going into free agency, so what does that mean for Jed Hoyer? Does it mean that you take what's essentially a, a risk, I suppose a calculated risk, if you're willing to say whatever we can get from Chris Bryant just to sort of finish out this final year of his contract, of, of whatever contract control somebody would get, what you can get for him, maybe it's worth it. But maybe, just maybe, because of how difficult it will be to move on from Chris Bryant playing his best baseball, to move on from Javi Baez, who's going to lead every highlight package probably for the rest of this week, unless like Martians land in, in the middle, middle of a baseball diamond somewhere else in the MLB before the end of this weekend. I mean, 
do you move on from those guys when they're doing these types of things? And if you do, how much backlash do you get from from Cubs fans who are going to watch them doing these things, having these highlights for somebody else because you didn't want to pay him? I'm not saying there's an automatic answer, but, man, that, that, is a, that is a difficult spot, I believe, for Jed Hoyer and for the Cubs to find themselves in. And frankly, I don't get the indication that the Cubs necessarily are, are feeling bad, nor should the players feel bad that they are making this a difficult choice. That should have been their mission coming into the season. And up to this point, if the mission was to make it as difficult as possible for Cubs brass to move on from this window, to move on from this core, up to this point, Mission accomplished, so bravo to what we've seen from the Cubs so far because it is a lot more than the majority of us expected. I wonder if Bruce Levine expected coming into the season. You know, while they're in first place at the moment, and who knows, like two weeks from now, this may be a completely different discussion if they just fall on their face, you know, if the bullpen isn't lights out anymore and Javi starts striking out again and KB get, you know, turns an ankle or something like that. But – now that we have a moment to, to slap the guys on the back, let's see where, where Bruce Levine was at with this whole situation and, and how he feels about things at the moment. We'll do that on the other side of this timeout. Our baseball analyst, Bruce Levine, will join us next here on The Score. Mully and Hall, Chicago's number one and most listened to sports morning show, period. Jerry Naren, catching instructor from the White Sox. We're seeing the development before our eyes of uh, Zach Collins. I think coming into spring training, some of the guys had looked at his past a little bit and weren't real sure, but just the way he came in from day one of spring training and really got after it made the uh, pitchers a priority. They believe in him. Mully and Hall, mornings 5 to 9 a.m. on Sports Radio 670 The Score six. TheScore.com, Chicago's sports station and Odyssey station. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670TheScore.com, Chicago's sports station. Cubs 5, Pirates 3, 2 down, bottom of the ninth. The 0 2 pitch by Tapera. Swinging a big bouncer toward short. Bios has it, throws to first. And the Cubs win the ball game. A low throw backhanded by Bryant. And the Cubs beat the Pirates by a score of 5-3. to three. They sweep the series, and they finish a very successful road trip with a record of 5-1. and one. That's what the close of the game sounded like right here on 670. The score, the voice of Pat Hughes, bringing it home as the Cubs came out with a series sweep of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Puts them in, a, in quite a position and perhaps puts Cubs management in quite a predicament. So to help us break that down, you hear them all over the score, all throughout the week and on the weekends as well. He's on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine, the score baseball analyst with us here. Hey, Bruce, how you doing tonight? Anthony, a pleasure. Uh, what kind of ball do you want to talk? <laughs> Let's start on the north side, sir. Where uh, and Bruce joins us on the BetQL listener line. The score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Uh, the discussion I was having before you joined me here a moment ago, Bruce, is is specifically what I alluded to a moment ago. It just it seems like I don't know if it's quite to the level of the the film Major League yet, but you know it, it doesn't seem that. That the Ricketts family, the Jed Hoyer, were anticipating this was a first place squad, and yet here they are. And 
it, it seems like if this continues, it, it can make things very difficult and very awkward as the trade deadline approaches. Is that overstating things? No, I, I don't think so. I, look, when you trade arguably the first, second, or third best pitcher in baseball who's under contract for three more years and you Darvish in the offseason, it sends a message out to the media and more importantly to the Cub fan base that uh, we are moving in different directions forward, but nonetheless, not necessarily to win in 2021. You just don't trade the top pitcher in the game and you're, you're not able to send the message that you're trying to, to win this year, the whole thing. Now, in the trade, they got back four young players and Zach Davies, who's a very credible starting pitcher and has a really good resume. So you're not getting a guy uh, that couldn't help you go out there and compete. And that's what we're seeing right now, Anthony, is a bunch of guys who uh, some of them are still all-stars. Some of them are just good players. And some of them are are guys that want to show that they can play in the major leagues and and that they're good. Uh, We're seeing them start to mesh together and win a lot of ball games that nobody would predict that they would have been able to do, especially watching them in the first month of the season. They've been the the team of May. They've won a lot of one-run games. Uh, their bullpen uh, you know, is probably the best in baseball right now. Hasn't uh, allowed a run in over 30 innings, uh, over, uh, I think, now 11 games. So uh, it, it's pretty good stuff. If you're a Cub fan, you should feel good about the team. And... Uh, do you want to worry about the direction they're going in uh, in uh, late uh, June, early July, or uh, late July? Just enjoy the ride while you get there. I think that's sage advice, and you've been around this block a few times, Bruce. I'm, I'm curious how, how sustainable this seems. I mean, if nothing else, the division is, is mediocre enough where mm-hmm. that gives them more than enough potential to sustain it. But the, the point I made a few minutes ago was that it – it's felt like pretty much every season in execution, 17, 18, 19, 20, and now this, and including this first-place team, seems like they continue to get further away from what feels like a true World Series squad. Is that a fair assessment? That I, It feels like a little bit of smoke and mirrors right now. Well, you know, I think that's probably fair. I mean, I don't think anybody uh, said Chicago Cubs 2021 followed by World Series. So I think that's fair. But at the same time, they have some work to do in rebuilding this franchise. Uh, they, they had a farm system up until this year that had only produced number one picks and really good ones to help you win a championship in 2016 and go to the playoffs five or six years, which is something the Cubs had never done before. So um, the achievement was great. Uh, it wasn't a, a sustainable World Series champion, but... How many of those are around in this day and age? We saw the Giants do it in uh, every other year for three years. But before that, you know, the only consecutive uh, World Series winner was, you know, going back to the late 90s and early 2000s with the Yankees. It's one of the more difficult things to ever do in sports and in baseball. It's just, you know, the odds are against you going to World Series every year. Um, They have to rebuild it. And I think the young pitching uh, that I've seen, you know, the guys, uh, you know, like Steele and Thompson uh, coming along in the organization to go along with Alzale. To me, as a reporter 
who uh, likes to deliver messages of truth to uh, Cubs and Sox fans. I think the truth I can deliver is for the first time in a long time, maybe for the Cubs, uh, going back to prior Wood Zambrano, uh, do we see arms that are starting to look like sustainable major leaguers developed in their system? And you have to do that if you're going to be a World Series winner consistently. You're going to have a, a great organization going forward. The Cubs did it in a little different way by uh, getting the position players through the draft and getting position players who became all-stars uh, and then spending over $100 million even further than that a year on free agent pitching. So uh, this time around, the charge is develop young pitching. We'll go out and get the hitters later, but if we have pitching, we can continue to uh, compete year after year and win a few times. Our time here with Bruce Levine is brought to you by Alphamonte Nissan. Alphamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or apnissan.com. Bruce, is this is this the best baseball of Chris Bryant's career? Well, he did win an MVP in 2016. Yeah. So. They haven't given the award out yet this season, Bruce. Yeah, well, I mean, if he can sustain this, we use that word a lot right now, sustain this. Um, he, uh, I don't know what he did in the offseason. Originally, he said to us, <laughs> I haven't done a thing differently. Then, of course, we found out that he, he shortened up his stroke. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, if you look at old pictures of him, he was more spread out in the batter's box. Now he's just taking a, a, a full step backwards, and then a, now he's taking a little step forward in his swing. But to me, it's all about the confidence of being in the box, staying with the fastball, staying with the breaking ball, mm-hmm. uh, hitting the ball early in counts when it feels right. Uh, it looks like a totally different player than we watched uh, last year. And even in uh, a couple of those other years where he yeah. had decent seasons, but not the 2016 ones. So uh, to answer your question directly, Anthony, he's the best player. I think he's the MVP of the National League right now. If, if season stopped right now, and thank goodness it, it isn't, because uh, we, we still have two-thirds of the season plus left. I think he's your uh, National League MVP. He's been that good. And if you put into the equation how extra valuable he is by playing five positions, and if you, you, you think about this, Anthony, you're, you're talking about a guy who's a three-time All-Star at third base, right? And he hasn't played that position for 33 games. Right. Hasn't, hasn't been near third base for 33 games all in the outfield, different positions, and first base. And uh, to me, just what he brings to the ballpark every day, and you can read about a little bit uh, and his, how his manager and some of his teammates look at it in a story I wrote on 670thescore.com today, that uh, they are appreciative, and he is loving every minute of it, talking about you know how he can't wait to get out to the ballpark, can't wait to see where Ross is going to play him position-wise, can't wait to hit. I mean, this is a renewed guy. Uh, I don't know if it's hypnotism, whether it's uh, <laughs> you know mental edge people that every team in sports have, but, Anthony, I'm telling you, it's, it's something really fun to watch if you're a Chicago Cub fan. He, he just seems so in control of everything that's happening in the batter's box. He just never seems overwhelmed by any of it right now. It's just really fun 
to watch his approach and, and his execution, man. The productivity in all ways is just at such a high level with him right now. And he's unfazed by, by all of it. So it's been cool to watch that. Um, the, the Javi Baez play or plays, really, I mean, you had the, the work on the base pass, the work there on the infield. I mean, just highlight after highlight from him today. How, how much do, does one do, – how much should that counterbalance some of the, the frustrating moments, the strikeouts in the batter's box, so some of those types of things? The but uh, get... throws that he shouldn't make all that. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Javi being Javi, right? <laughs> Is, isn't that what everybody loves? I mean, it's the, the, and everybody just responds and lives off of Javier Baez's energy, which was missing totally last year. And he was very honest about it. Although, you know, to some people it sounded like an excuse that there was no energy from fans. And he's the ultimate entertainer. He, he's no different than, uh, you know, uh, Lady Gaga or whatever <laughs> favorite group you have or performer he is out there to entertain you and to show you what a great player he is what a great team player he is and how he's going to do something differently creative on a daily basis to help his team win and he invented one again today i'm i'm pretty sure that he didn't know exactly how it was going to come out okay i'm pretty sure that he didn't think hey i'm going to uh I'm, I'm going to be able to um, have them throw me out, uh, but I'm going to not run down there. So the first baseman's off the bag. Instead of going back to the bag, he's going to chase me into a rundown. I'm going to keep backing up. Uh, he doesn't know uh, if I, he tags me at any time or just runs back to the base that I'm out and that Wilson Contreras can't score because the force out for the second for the third out means that nothing else matters. And yet, the first baseman took the bait, chased him all the way down there, never tagged him, never went back to the bag. Contreras scores. He throws the ball away. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, things that you would never expect to happen happen when you watch Javier Baez. I mean, it started as a moment where it looked like he's just kind of goofing around, and mm -hmm. then as the moment extended, there was an opportunity to make a play, and nobody in Major League Baseball seizes playmaking opportunities quite like Javi Baez. So it leads me to, to the, the last question I, I have for you here, Bruce, because in it, it feels to me like if if Bryant and Baez were in their late 20s, which should be the prime of their career, and certainly Chris Bryant, and now over the past few weeks, Javi Baez performing like they're in their primes, I just mm -hmm. I don't see where a team in New York or a team in L.A. would allow the combination of that talent to get out of their city, to get out of their organization, but it feels like the Cubs might let both of them walk. Why, why, why is there such a drastic difference right now, just financially, in the approach the Cubs would take versus what some of the, the other major cities would be taking? Well, don't believe the hype, okay, Anthony? Uh, they're not gone yet, are they? Right. And, and these people, Mr. Ricketts and Crane Kenny and, um, and Mr. Hoyer, they're all pretty smart guys, and they're and they're not oblivious to marketing a team, uh, knowing they have a, a their own television network, knowing they have a fan base that they've uh, created a, a new uh, era in that expects the team to win every year. So they're going to spend money, and they're going to spend a lot of money over the next five years. 
It just depends on what direction they're going to spend it. Are they going to spend it on pitching? Are they going to spend it on younger players? Um, they, they will have superstar players that they spend money on. It just might not be Javier Baez or Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo. It just might not be those guys. Uh, we know that they've tried to sign those guys over mm-hmm. the last five and six years. We know those guys felt that the money wasn't good enough that it was being offered. Um, we, uh, instead of taking sides, in my, in my business, I report what I know. And what I know is they're not gone. The decision has been made to let them walk. And they're just going to be able to watch how this season goes. Uh, the open door policy, as Jed Hoyer said, is always there. There's, it's not only an open door, but there's not even a door on his office, okay? So these guys <laughs> and their agents can walk in there at any time and talk to them. They might not hear the price they want, but they're going to have a, a, full, uh, a full time to talk, full time to uh, let them know what they think. And, you know, if, if Javier Baez isn't with the, with the Cubs next year, if Chris Bryant isn't with the Cubs, I, I don't think it'll be because they didn't try to keep him. Now, when it comes to an agreement of what a person is worth, you know, you and I can go in Mitch Rosen's office anytime we want to. <laughs> no one's listening right now. I'm sure Mitch is. And we can, right. I can, I can help you get a better deal than you're getting. But, you know, Mitch might fire me on the spot. So I, I, you're on your own there. Look, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fans want, want the, uh, love their players. They want the front office and ownership to do whatever the, fa- the players want them to do. Uh, they want to listen to the fans, but they don't want to listen to th- their business plan and how they should spend their money. So we're going to have to see how this plays out. Uh, I'll just say again, these people aren't dumb and they're not tone deaf. So I wouldn't say all these guys are gone uh, just because they're not signed uh, three months or four months before the free agency hits. Bruce Levine, you are priceless, sir. I don't care what David Hall says about you. <laughs> Always. <laughs> well, we'll Dude, argue tough. every Saturday morning on uh, Inside the Clubhouse from 9 to 11. Anthony, it's a pleasure. Call me anytime. I will. I appreciate you, Bruce. That is Bruce Levine, our partner here on The Score, the baseball analyst. Covers both sides of town, but it was just such a fun day seeing what the Cubs did. The Sox are doing their thing right now, so we kind of focused on the Northsiders right there in that segment. But we, we, uh, we got into a little bit. Uh, related to Javi Baez, more Chris Bryant with Bruce there. But I, I want to uh, spend a little bit more time on what we saw from El Mago today. So we'll take a time out, come back, hour number two. It's going to be some hobby time happening here. So if you enjoyed what you saw, you're going to hear all about it next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.